Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Pod Pod. I'm Rihanna Dillon, and we've hopefully got something very useful for you today because our focus is all about podcast campaigns and what advertisers are looking for in a host read and the tricks and the tips about matching you up with a product that you're passionate about. So helping us do that is Vicky Handley, Lloyds Bank brand communication lead, and Ed Couchman, Spotify's head of sales for UK and Northern Europe. So there's a lesson for podcasters here in what brands are looking for. And if you're looking to partner with brands, this is a must-listen chat that's going to help you become a more attractive proposition for brands and also help with your strategy when approaching brands. But before we get to them, hello, Adam Shepard. Hello, Reem Makari. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi. How are you doing? I've got some exciting news. So when we had my husband, Mike, on talking about fans meeting through his podcast, Adam, you thought that a couple had got married through the pod. They hadn't. But on Halloween night, they did get engaged at an Evolution of Horror live show. Isn't that cool? That's That's delightful. Yes. Oh, that's so nice. What are their names? Can we give them a shout out on the pod? I I think that's I'm sure they must have told their families by now. It's Steve and Joe. But congrats to them. Yeah, congratulations, Steve and Joe. I would listen to a show that was just talking about meeting and getting engaged by being a fan of a podcast, the whole story. That would be so great. It would be just like a podcast all about different meet-cutes, but podcast-based. So apart from fictional podcasts, what is going on in the world of real podcasts this week? Reem, do you want to kick us off? Uh, well, the IAB UK just launched a new advertising campaign all about encouraging advertisers to invest more into digital advertising. And the way they've done the campaign is they've created this character called Joy the Bear, which is like an eight foot brown bear that's going to be displayed across multiple channels for the for IAB UK on video and basically just talking about digital advertising and then linking advertisers back to the website where it has a bunch of resources about how they could get into the digital advertising and then one of the biggest ways they could be doing and investing into digital advertising is through podcasting. We wrote an article about it and James Chandler, who's the CMO, uh, also talked about the power of podcasting and how that could be really great for building brand awareness and for building connections with audiences and not just about just making money. So we're talking so much, obviously, in our interview about all of this, about advertising in the podcast space. And Adam, what have you taken away from this story then in particular that is useful for just kind of furthering the conversation? Well, essentially, this campaign is all around trying to get brands and agencies to engage with digital advertising in the way that they engage with other channels. So channels like print, out of home, TV, cinema advertising are all really vibrant in terms of the creative work that goes into those channels. You know, we're coming up to Christmas. Doubtless, we will start seeing a lot of the sort of high concept, big budget ads from the likes of John Lewis and Waitrose, where they're really going for high impact sort of message delivery and really putting a lot of energy into the the presentation and you don't tend to get that so much in the digital arena it's much more 
sort of results driven where it's just right how many people can we drive to our website and this campaign is really trying to convince advertisers to take an approach that's closer in spirit to the likes of the john lewis christmas ad than it is to more traditional search marketing and that kind of thing and that whole trend is something that i'm quite keen to encourage as well you know podcasting has a lot of opportunities for that kind of creativity in advertising. So we have the Audio Advertising Awards coming up next year, which PodPod is putting on uh, in partnership with our sister brand campaign. And we're really hoping to try and encourage more agencies and brands to shout about the excellent creative work that they're doing in the audio and podcasting space. Interestingly enough, Vicky Handley is actually going to be our chair of judges uh, for that award. So I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say about all of the submissions that we'll have coming in. Amazing. Well, we're going to talk to Vicky now. So let's let's get going with that. Here are Vicky Handley and Ed Couchman talking to me and Adam. <laughs> Ed and Vicky, welcome to PodPod. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, here, here. Lovely to see you. I feel like we've got a lot to get through here because, as I've I've explained off mic, this is an area that um, I'm still slightly murky with. I'd love for you to explain what you do in your different companies um, in layman's terms, if that would be okay. Vicky, let's start with you and then Ed, please. Yeah, I'm Vicky Hadley. I look after all of the Lloyds Bank brand communications. Um, so that effectively is across all of our paid and owned channels to effectively ensure that we are the number one bank within the UK um, within the financial services sector. Amazing. I understood that. Thank you. <laughs> Ed? That's what I do. My name is Ed Couchman and I look after Spotify's advertising sales for the UK. So Spotify has around 20 million listeners in the UK. Around 55% of them pay for a subscription and the other 45-ish percent uh, listen for free and they listen for free and they also listen to a few ads as well and i look after that part of the business that sells advertising to people like vicky and to our other partners okay so vicky when did you first start incorporating podcasts into the media mix how quick off the mark was lloyd's bank with that yeah we've been doing it for a number of years now actually so uh probably the year before covid as the uh the media kind of channels started become more more fragmented we started looking at how we can reach our sort of audience in more innovative and also more engaging ways than just sort of traditional media buys for example there's certain different messages that you need to have much more kind of emotional connection with customers and the only way that you can do that is 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 via media partnerships via influencers via presenters that have got that sort of emotional and kind of authentic uh, relationship with their listeners because essentially they're more likely to listen understand and trust the brand that they're talking about rather than us kind of just doing look at us here we're always back we're mm. we're doing this we're offering this product or for example they're more likely to trust somebody that they kind of have a relationship with so ed can you give us an example of how you and vicky might work together then yeah, sure. So Vicky might have a communications objective. It could be a new product. Vicky and uh, the agencies that she worked with will probably have a brief around the type of audience they want to reach and the sort of key messages they want to land. 
And then myself and the team would look at that brief. And if Vicky had a very strong sort of view that actually we did want to talk to some potential podcasts and host reads, then we would put some suggestions together of regular podcasts that reach the target audience and maybe some potential hosts that would want to work with the brand essentially and and sort of come up with some loose sort of script ideas or thought starters essentially. I think what's really important is is to what Ed was just saying is the the role of the brief. So for example, sort of in Q2 this year, we launched a new product, which is Smart Start, which was effectively uh, a children's saving account between 11 and 15. So the role of the campaign was effectively to make parents aware of this account because obviously you can see your child spending but also to kind of highlight the benefits of starting kind of to encourage and uh, build your child's confidence with money. So on one of the responses actually from our media agency, um, one of the podcasts was they recommended was Happy Mom, Happy Baby. And from my perspective, it it wouldn't work because they don't have children that are 11, 15, 11 to 15 or are older than 11 to 15. So they can't add their own experience and authenticity as to why it's really important for their kids. Um, so it's it's not just about reach. It's 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 about kind of what they can bring to our objective mm. of the campaign, but also to our brand. I definitely see some of the best work when there's that authenticity with the host reads. As Vicky said, you know, the brief is really important. So we get a really good understanding of the audience and then potential host reads. And then if the host of a particular show does have an affinity or personal experience, then I think it just works so much better. Uh, you know, one example we might have is from the hosts of The Rest is Politics, so Rory Stewart and Alistair Campbell. Uh, Airbnb were looking to attract new hosts. And it just so happens that Rory Stewart is an Airbnb host. Is he? And what? <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how many properties he has, though, Adam, if I'm being honest. He, you know. Is that he does uh, use Airbnb for? So that sort of personal experience then just made such. It was really authentic. He had a bit of fun with it, and I think, as Vic said, I think listeners are much more likely to sort of pay attention to that because it feels really real. And was that because you knew that he had those properties that it was easy to go to him, or was it always going to be on that podcast and it was just a happy coincidence? So uh, not happy coincidence. It's lots of hard work, actually, Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> Um, jokes aside i think you know one of the things that we do try and endeavor to do at spotify is be pretty close to the talent and try to understand their likes tastes and preferences obviously we have a whole bunch of teams that do that through producers and uh, talent agencies so we try to service the right what we think might be the right sort of products or ideas to the right host essentially Mm. so vicky you mentioned the authenticity and the engagement that you get from partnerships with podcasters and podcast hosts how does that compare to what we might think of as more traditional forms of advertising and more traditional media buys so things like tv and radio for example you don't you don't get the depth or time to bring that emotion to it when using the podcast to leverage the presenter and the relationship that they have with their listeners um, so it's absolutely kind of imperative to me. Like, no, so many scripts that we've sort of um, kind of pushed back and worked with the podcasters to say, you know, you need to bring how you feel and how beneficial you think this will be to your listeners, because that's where you get that depth of relationship coming through. It's not. It, it's 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 an extension of sort of the TV 
the radio linear, etc. It's about kind of going into more depth and talking about the product and unpacking the benefits in, in more of an emotional um, takeout. What is the the sort of process of that? I'm thinking, for example, like last time I was listening to uh, Chris and Rosie Ramsey's podcast, and if they're doing like a host read read, it just sounds like a part, an extension of their podcast, which presumably is kind of the dream when it comes to yeah. an advertiser, right? So in terms yeah, of scripting yeah. then, how do you highlight the key messages and is there back and forth? Do you have like final say? How does all of that work? Yeah, so we will agree that we're going to do this, this certain podcast and then we will write a bespoke, short, tight brief for the presenters to write a script off the back of. And you could get you could get some that some that we've worked with for a long time will really bring their own sort of humour into it and have a bit of a sort of banter around with it, whereas some are very kind of straight and very much sort of read from that that brief so you've really got to work hard sometimes you can they'll nail it in one sometimes it will take six or seven goes but we won't well I won't kind of let it go out the door unless it feels like a conversation not like a kind of read ad otherwise you can hear it in their voice that they've got no passion behind it yeah I think the passion is the key in that authenticity and I think Vicky mentioned sometimes you know it can be just one take and be fantastic so an example of that was uh, with Disney Plus and the new season of uh, This Is Wrexham, uh, which is a sort of fly-on-the-wall documentary following the football club Wrexham, which is owned by some uh, huge Hollywood talent. And actually, straightforward host read for The Rest Is Football with uh, the three hosts, Gary Lineker, Mikhail Richards, and Alan Shearer. And all three of the players, but particularly Alan Shearer, had the connection with Wrexham. Like he had some friends that played for the club. Uh, and both Gary and Micah actually watched the show and loved the first season. That was almost like a freewheeling conversation that I think, if I'm being honest, probably wasn't too close to the script, but because of that personal connection, it just really come to life, essentially. And I think that sort of passion and authenticity is really the key thing where it kind of brings a bit of magic for the brand, essentially, as well. As well as, I guess, there is some well, uh, sort of affinity with the host talent and then the relationship they have with their regular listeners. It really does come through, especially when you start talking about kids. Anything to do with family, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the presenters will just become so passionate. And obviously, because we always make sure whatever we talk about, they've, they've, they've got children or they've got fun, mm-hmm. uh, some form of kids in their lives. We're using one with uh, Pampers and Poonami, which get the one oh, with uh, Parenting Hell and uh, Josh Whittacombe and uh, Rob Beckett, actually. I'll, I'll spare everyone the graphic details, but... <laughs> what if that passion isn't there you know how much do they is there ever a pushback from the talent and is or is it just like the money does the talking and it's like they just have a job to do and they just have to get up and do it because they're professionals i mean we have we have cut a couple of them because they won't budge right because i'm quite yeah because i'm kind of like well if you're not passionate about it you're not passionate about the brand it's not going to come true in how you deliver it so actually there's there's no point in it. It's kind of no point mm. in spending the money. Because that's what um, you're paying for, that personal delivery. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So as a brand, obviously you'll run a number of campaigns across a number of channels. Is there anything that goes into the decision-making around what types of campaigns you'll run on which channel in terms of 
the the sort of feel and structure of the campaign or is it just about the sort of demographic side of it and what kind of audience you want to reach we kind of do it in layers so your tv is your sort of tv and b-bot is your kind of mass reaching channel alongside out of home and then as you get kind of further down the funnel essentially in your media strategy that's when you can be much more targeted so particularly with i mean we, we are to target families which is is huge in itself but it's still really important for us we've got a huge brief coming up so younger is a big focus for us next year so how do we talk how do we talk to that audience because you haven't talked to them for best part of 15 years so how do we engage with them and we can't go out as a roads bank saying right we've got a great student account for you you need somebody to deliver that on your behalf that is passionate about it loves the brand and thinks it's great um great thing to do for for, for people who are listening and podcast is a brilliant way of doing that because you will get a very sort of targeted audience that are willing to listen and want to listen to what you've got to say mm. and does that change based on the kind of demographics i'm thinking particularly about young people is that influenced by the fact that young people are according to a lot of results watching less linear tv these days and you know uh, increasingly watching tv in ways that bypass uh, advertising whether that's kind of you know, tivo or catch up or any of the any of the other kind of various channels does that then lead campaigns targeting that sort of age range more towards things like podcasting i think so they consume so many different media channels whereas kind of over the last few years you you know where families are you know how to get to them um that's a number but they're just using so much so many different ways of consuming media they just have so much time on their hands and they just consume media for the majority of their day i think it's a really interesting point that actually i hear a lot in sort of you know media circles that that there's sort of a concerns about attention essentially that i say consumers people particularly young people consuming so much media they could be scrolling almost endlessly through different sort of feeds they're bombarded with outdoor messages or tv I honestly think that sometimes podcasts can be a really good sort of counterbalance to that where, you know, you've got your headphones in, people have that sort of close personal relationship with the host, probably listen regularly. And then you know, so you have this quite a long creative canvas, essentially, that unpacks products and then, you know, or more complex products at least. I think it's a really good sort of counterbalance then to that sort of myth around attention deficit. I think podcasts can, when done right, give a lot of attention to brands and businesses well listeners are choosing to listen to that podcast they're they're not they're not watching a tv program and having an ad thrown at them or scrolling through a video it it's it's a medium of choice and if you become a brand that just tries to sell product for example and doesn't give the emotional benefit of what and how it will help you then you're not going to build your brand within that that audience i still time. think there's quite an early mover advantage actually in, in podcasts i know they are established channel for listeners but it's still relatively nascent in terms of advertising and i know i've leaned in pretty early and quickly and i do think that gives you a competitive advantage to some of the uh, other providers in the space and similar for other sort of verticals and sectors and industries as well i mean ed you've been across kind of digital marketing audio advertising for a long time like in in multiple different fields as well social and television and now audio so how have the kind of major trends changed since you first began would you say good question uh i've I've been at spotify for nine ten months so in terms of podcast advertising 
I feel like a kind of long time listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> nice. I've fully appreciated the sort of power and potential of podcast advertising before I arrived at Spotify. So I think I had mm-hmm. my favorite shows and sort of tuned into them regularly. And for me, you know, I think you have all the stuff that Vic has also mentioned about authenticity and passion and driving sort of consideration and sort of action lower down the funnel. But I think there's also some benefits on the upper funnel as well in terms of, you know, the Ofcom uh, Media Nations report, one in five Brits, you know, uh, list of podcasts each week. So it can be a, a reach platform as well. Um, we have then sort of additional sophistication of sort of digital advertising that we, you know, we're trying to bring a degree of sophistication to podcasts for the first time. So all the things that you can expect in your digital advertising in terms of targeting capabilities, so geographic or behavioral or contextual, we can bring those to some of our podcast products as well. So we've got this blend, I think, of right through the funnel solutions, innovation in terms of some of those products as well, and then combined with the sort of close association with talent for, you know, some of our partners and host resort also sort of brings brings that benefit so for me it's the sort of full range um of solutions and then finally i'll go back to that point about attention deficit that i think there is a myth in many uh media circles that actually consumers are bombarded with messages and they don't give their attention to anything and i think podcasts are the exact opposite of that where they really do have the undisputed attention of of consumers and listeners Mm. I'm quite interested in the place of podcast advertising within the wider media mix. Ed, you and I were at the Campaign Media Week Awards a couple of weeks ago, where you were the co-chair of judges. And I was quite interested to note that while there were some really strong campaigns in the audio category, Across the board, podcasting specifically wasn't as prevalent as, you know, as perhaps people like you and I would like it to be, ideally. And I I wanted to get your take, both of you, on how podcasting compares to particularly TV, which I think for many brands and agencies is still seen as the kind of gold standard I was also disappointed at them actually that podcasting and maybe even audio per se didn't come through that loudly of the uh, awards on the evening. Although, perhaps to be absolutely fair though, the Grand Prix was won by PhD uh, Foundation and the work they did with Global actually. But I said that was, I think it was a breakfast show slot essentially from memory. Um, I think for me, and I'd love to get Vicky's thought as well, maybe it's because it just hasn't created fame yet for some of those brands and some of the work. And I think TV and outdoor, as Vicky mentioned, is the sort of that top of funnel, mass broadcast, mass reach. And I think it does also create fame for brands. And I think podcasts, podcasting is yet to be able to create that same allure, that same moment of, of fame. Yeah, and it's, I mean, obviously we have an incredibly iconic horse that delivers beautiful storytelling, uh, very emotionally based music visually so from a sort of video and and print perspective um it does absolutely brilliantly on on all, all of our metrics linear radio also delivers on that because you've got not only um imelda staunton who has been our voiceover for a long time delivering that kind of real strength and, and stature for the brands but you've also got the music then links with all of your other channels um whereas podcasts you don't have any of that you have the presenter talking about something that a brand has asked them to talk about but the 
the way that you differentiate that is do it in such a deep and meaningful way that is important to the presenter, which will then naturally kind of flow through to the listeners. I was looking at the the the, uh, the winners of the Media Week Awards, and I think it's quite difficult. So I guess with global, you've got so many different ways that you can measure that campaign. You can measure it through click-throughs, number of entries. There's loads of metrics that you can use that can make that entry um, really substantially kind of filled with success. With podcasts, I guess all you've really got is is number of listeners. I mean, I don't know how else you can track the engagement. I think, Vicky, you raised the question, which I hear the most from other brands, actually, is how do we know it's going to work? Mm. Actually, what, what, what is the measurement around? And I won't get too detailed talking about DAI and SAI, although, Adam, I know you love that. <laughs> yes. Sorry, what is DAI and SAI? <laughs> Download versus stream. And it, there is some important differences <laughs> around and obviously we're a streaming platform so we're in favor of the sophistication streaming brings and the the ability mm-hmm. to measure different things because of that but i think vicky's central question though really is around measurement and effectiveness and efficiency and i do think it's the number one thing that we hear from advertisers that, that are sort of preventing them or making them think more deeply about podcast advertising so on the sort of multi-channel campaign element from a sort of creative execution perspective with visual media there are certain things that you can leverage to tie it all together across channels and sort of create that that sense of brand identity you know you've got the horse you've got the sort of rolling landscapes that have appeared in a few of your your campaigns recently and the sort of um, brand color palette in terms of those really nice greens and whites. With podcasting, have you looked at leveraging the kind of sonic equivalent of that, you know, incorporating, for want of a better term, horsey noises um, and like, you know, hoofbeats and, and things like that? Or is it just around the actual marketing copy and the the messaging and the sort of the the text it's very much around um the messaging the role of the campaign and also mm. the tone of voice of our brand so <laughs> no we wouldn't put horsey noises that's, that's what horsey noises would like be that. vicky actually <laughs> Perhaps you can do a little horsey noise for us to help it bring it to life i think to that request ed i'm gonna have to say nay <laughs> very sharp <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it just comes down to the tone of voice and what the objective and role of the campaign is, and that's how. And and podcasts are the only channel that we can do. We could, you can do it. To be fair, if you go into sort of like print and radio partnerships, we've done one recently with the Times on fraud and got one of the journalists involved to really talk about one of the examples that they got sort of defrauded on something. That they're the only ways that you can do it, but you can't really do it in a way with podcasts um, because you can actually control to an extent how they are delivering your message whereas you can't really do that on radio permissions. Um, Ed you were talking earlier about some of the, the questions that you often get from clients people that you work with we have kind of spoken about this on pod pod before I think a while ago but what are some of the the kind of main concerns that come out of your work and the meetings that you have? Well the first would be measurement and we, we've obviously covered that that can yeah. definitely be around brand safety. You know, the company that brands keep is really important to them. So mm-hmm. talking about some of the controls and measures that we have in place on Spotify, there's only appropriate content, I think would be high up on the list. And then I think there'd be a third one around creativity. 
Uh, and these, are, I guess, they're more questions to uh, Vicky's point, actually. Melda Stoughton is a good example. And lots of uh, brands have brand ambassadors or spokespeople that are often instantly recognizable voices. And that sort of trade-off, well, actually, do we use that instantly recognizable, incredible voice? Do we use voice talents? Uh, and then we can, you know, make one ad and run that across multiple podcasts, or do we do host reads? And I don't think there's one single answer. It depends on what the sort of brand objectives are, but sort of helping brands navigate that and helping them think through what questions they need to ask to make the right decision. But I think it's probably in that order. So measurements, uh, brand safety, and then creativity. And it sounds like from all the conversations we're having that host read is just by far the most effective form of advertising. Is that true? Like, is that whole idea of spot advertising, which obviously is still in existence, do you think that's going to become kind of archaic in a few years? I see a mixed picture more, actually. I know that actually there are some brands that uh, see podcasting as, as sort of an extension to their other activities, so pure play reach and has advantages of, so one in four Brits on podcasts, as we mentioned, uh, relatively quick production times, relatively low cost production, and relatively low cost reach. And we absolutely see campaigns that might go out on a uh, Thursday or Friday to drive sort of footfall or purchase decision-making at the weekend. Uh, Combine that with the attention piece. So I think that is definitely one route. And then the other route is obviously what Vicky's articulated really well about the authenticity and passion extended creative time to tell a more complex or nuanced story for a brand as well but i don't think there's just one path i do see both currently Mm. yeah i totally agree with you i definitely feel it's a blend of the two um and to what you were saying before ed i think creativity is really key because you've got to keep standing out over and above other advertisers and you hear i hear so many kind of straight straight read ads even though they're host reads by presenters that just fall kind of foul of the reason I see that brands should be using sort of host reads. In terms of the sort of evolution of podcast advertising formats, if you like, video podcasting is something that we've been hearing a lot about over the past year or so. Uh, Spotify, I know, has been making some uh, strong investments in this area. Is video podcasting something that Lloyd's has thought about in regards to the partnerships that it has with podcasters? Is that something you're looking to leverage at all? And if so, is that something that requires a shift in strategy? I don't think it necessarily be a shift in strategy. It's an evolution of the media channel, isn't it? It's like I was saying earlier, instead of having 10 different channels on a plan, you're going to have 10 channels with multiple different variants within each channel. And I think it's just going to keep evolving. Um, and certainly video for me, I think is really, is a really, really interesting way in and certainly something we're looking at for next year. How many campaigns do you run in a year, first of all? It differs by year. Oh, really? <laughs> it differs by year. So 2024 is huge for us. Uh, I mean, the amount of, we call them um, sort of roles and jobs to be done for the brand is, is huge within each different audience. We'll have kind of peaks and chops at different times of year when we've got new ad launches, new product launches, um, or just if, if something kind of happens within the economic environment where we need to sort of demonstrate how we're by the side of our customers through cost of living, through kind of mm. the challenges with the base rate, et cetera. So it, it is very fluid and our plans do change because they do react to what's going on in the economic and political environment. 
it's never one or two campaigns. It's kind of always on pretty much. So when you're looking for podcasts to partner with, Vicky, for host reads and those kinds of longer running relationships, what are the main kind of metrics that you look for when building a shortlist? Obviously, the the content and the enthusiasm and authenticity is a key part of that. But are, are there any kind of metric based or, or numerical criteria that you use to, to whittle down that shortlist? Um, so reach, yes, is reach would be the, the kind of priority for us in terms of ensuring that whichever podcast that we're using has got a significant level of reach within the audience that we're trying to talk to. So reach and audience kind of play an equal role. Um, no, there's no point in talking to an audience about a children's savings account if they don't have kids, for example. They're not at that point in their life to be to be considering. And what counts as like significant reach for you? I mean, I imagine it's a little bit how long is a piece of string, but what are some kind of rules of thumb that uh, podcasters and brands and agencies can use to get a sense of that kind of benchmark? I mean, we don't really have a benchmark for reach. The agency will come back with a, a, a set of podcasters that they're recommending based on our original brief. And then we'll work through those as to, and, and for me, it's you get the reach, but also if you've got somebody that's got that level of passion for the brand and passion for what you're talking about, um, then that's also of equal importance. And obviously from the agency point of view, it's down to cost as well. So how big is Ed? Is this this would be your team who is doing this research? Is that right? Yeah, we have, we have a whole range of teams sort of uh, within Spotify. So we have the sort of fronts of house in market sales team. We have a whole bunch of people doing sort of research and insights. We have a team that uh, manage the relationships with uh, different podcasters and, and content creators. We obviously commission a few shows ourselves, like say Louis Theroux. So we have a whole range of sort of teams within Spotify trying to bring all that together for Vicky to try and make it as easy as possible, basically. So, you know, you were saying how you like to get to know your podcasters, your creators. So is that, you know, quite an informal thing or is it actually quite a formal kind of checkbox type thing of like areas and likes, et cetera? So I think a great example is one of our partners is Goal Hanger. That's the rest is uh, money, rest is football, rest is politics. Mm-hmm. And quite simply, the, they, the talent comes into Spotify and spends mm-hmm. some time with the sales team. And okay. Talk about, Doing what? Just chatting? I think, yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> a, a bit more, because I, I feel like I need to make it sound a bit more sophisticated, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> Often talk about their love of podcasting, you know, what what is it that draws them to podcasting? And I do think that's something around the sort of free nature, uh, the freewheeling sort of long-form conversation, that feeling they can speak their own mind and be honest and have some very strong opinions that maybe are some other uh, media outlets they, they can't and then they talk about their sort of life's hobbies and interests essentially which I guess like I say is just the chat but often you have some really rich things in it because that's where we learn like I say Rory Stewart and Airbnb or he also does Peloton by the way and he always flies to British Airways you know and it's those little snippets of information I think that actually then can spark an idea with the sales team that when we go and speak to media agencies or partners go hey did you know x or y so I think it's those sort of conversations then that this team sort of turn into ideas and, and sort of take out to the market. But essentially, and, yeah, we have a chat, really. And do do creators ever come to you wanting to partner with a particular brand? Uh, you know what? We do have some passions from the from the talent, yeah, that would say, 
you know, can, can we work with X or Y essentially because they have a real sort of deep sense of affinity or usage of certain uh, brands. And yeah, how absolutely. often does that kind of request translate into a into an actual campaign? Relatively often, I think. You know, I, I guess the, bearer, the biggest barrier, so let's say for argument's sake, the advertiser isn't a incumbent podcast advertiser, then I think that can take a little bit more time. But if they've, you know, if the brand or advertiser's already sort of got into podcasts, mm. understand podcasting, it's normally pretty straightforward. Say, hey, did you know X or Y's got a real passion for your products? And Vicky, from your side, you know, you've mentioned that, you know, it takes time to sort of, build the relationship effectively with a, a new podcaster that you haven't partnered with before. How long does that sort of quote unquote getting to know you process take with a new uh, podcast partner? And sort of what what are the stages that it that it involves? Is it just a case of as Ed says, just chatting with with the podcaster and kind of working out if you're a good fit together or is there sort of more structure to the process? No, I mean, Zenith will do a lot of working directly mm. with the podcasters first to effectively sort of introduce them to the brand, kind of what the tone of voice is, what we're trying to do with the, with the communication. And then, uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I think it can take any time from a couple of days to two or three weeks if they've not if they've not got what we're trying to do in terms of that that sort of script approach. Um, but quite often they do they do sort of get it quite quickly, especially ones that we work we work with all the time. They they know they brand they understand it. They know what we're trying to do. So actually that that process can be really quick. I might be sharing a story that I shouldn't share, but do it, yeah. <laughs> Peloton impressed me. Didn't want to work with Rory Stewart. Ah, oh, really? It can rub both ways. I'm not sure he was the the right brand ambassador for them. Mm-hmm. We have it the other way round, though. Like Holly Willoughby didn't want to work with us because she said that she wasn't great at finances. Oh, interesting. Oh. Uh, no, we actually ended up working with Philip Slater again. That's a really interesting point, actually. What do you do as a brand when? Yeah. You know, when you have a, a long-running partnership with a well-known host or personality, and then something happens whereby they maybe have lost a bit of uh, public goodwill. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. they've been cancelled, Adam's trying to say really, really yeah, politely basically. when they've been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> we had, I mean, obviously, when the Philip Schofield story we had, it was was coming. We essentially looked at what other brands were doing so what's everyone else in the industry doing are they pulling out of this morning totally because we advertise a lot in this morning uh what are they doing um obviously the big one was when they they kind of dropped philip um well the sponsorship deal um with we buying it was we brand car wasn't it yeah um mm. that was that was quite big but given that viewers were still increasing there's that balance of actually we're still getting a lot of reach versus the amount of pr versus actually the right thing to do for us is Mm. um and for our customers um so yeah we didn't end up pulling anything and i don't think many brands actually did but that's the only that's the only sort of individual that we've ever really 
kind of had to step away and think about just because we'd worked with him mm. on a partnership the year before. Before we wrap up, yeah. then, how can brands and media owners like podcasters uh, work more closely together to improve the impact and the performance of their podcast marketing campaigns? About relationship building. Absolutely. Like every, I mean, we, I have worked closely with media owners for a long time now because it, you get so much benefit you get back in terms of the media that you plan, the creative, the creativity that comes off the back of that, the ideas, um, and also the insight that both sides can bring that effectively gives you a much stronger campaign than you would have had without that. To build on that a little, really underscore the importance of relationship. And I think Vicky's already mentioned this, but combining the power of a good brief and understanding the audience, the communication objectives they're trying to achieve, and us as Spotify being very close to our podcasting talent to kind of come up with some ideas and suggestions on who the best talent might be to bring that to life for our host read. Amazing. Vicky and Ed, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really illuminating, especially for someone like me. I feel like you've given me a proper window <laughs> into the world of digital marketing and advertising and podcasts. So thank you. I really appreciated that. Pleasure. Lovely. No thank problem. You. Thanks so much. Thank you so much again to Vicky and Ed for just a really in-depth conversation about digital marketing and podcasting advertising. And they do so much more in Sounding Board, which you can find in the PodPod feed. So if you're interested, if you have other questions, hopefully they'll be answered there. Adam, what did you think about this chat then? What really struck you about it? It's always good to hear from Vicky and Ed because they're both obviously very heavily invested in the podcast advertising space. We've spoken to both of them a number of times uh, for various things on PodPod. One of the key things to remember is that the creativity and the passion and the enthusiasm is ultimately what is going to set your podcast apart from other media channels because you're not just competing with other podcasts. When you are trying to win ad campaigns, you're competing with TV, you're competing with radio, you're competing with print, you're competing with search, and you have to find some way to set yourself apart. I think that's a really interesting point. The whole idea of engagement is... Com- well, is that that's what they were talking about the whole way through, right? That they, it's so important to have an engaged creator... Um, and therefore an engaged Mm. audience but just thinking about I don't know really what you think about this because so much of what we just talked about was about enthusiasm and passion and there are some podcasters who do that in spades and so it's very easy for them to be able to launch into this kind of huge wonderful monologue about how great a product is and how much it works for them but if that isn't your brand how do you think that passion and enthusiasm can come through I think it's about working with a brand that you actually truly enjoy and something that your audience would also relate to and something that matches the tone of your podcast. So for example, like if you're doing, say, a podcast about true crime and the tone is very serious and and then suddenly you have an ad break in the middle where you have enthusiasm turned all the way up Mm. to 10 and you're talking about... I don't know, theme parks. 
like <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be very jarring for the listener and also it's not gonna sound authentic from the host so I think it's about working carefully with the brands finding something that works for them and then creating a campaign that that matches them the podcast identity and their audience's identity mm. as well see for me it would probably be rabbit mm. products like rabbit treat <laughs> rabbit um surroundings chew toys that would just go down mm. a tr- i could talk very passionately about that for a very long time i'm very invested in that i could listen to a podcast of you talking about rabbits <laughs> and i would very much enjoy it <laughs> yeah. it'd be quite a short podcast i think but yes good i'm glad i've got one listener lined up <laughs> That's all that we've got time for this week. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you once more to Vicky Handley and Ed Couchman. You can find out so much more on podpod.com. Obviously, we're starting to do these extra episodes in our PodPod feed, so you can find them very easily. And do sign up to our daily email bulletins as well. Plus, follow us on social at podpodofficial. And as ever, go on, give us a little five-star review. We'd love it. We would absolutely love it. If nothing else, it'll just make me really happy. The podcast is produced by Ollie Peart for Haymarket Business Media. And thank you to my co-hosts, Reem Makari and Adam Shepard. I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon, and I'll see you next week. Bye.